Hey gang, Aaron here, alone and with my head properly attached to my own body for once. I'm doing something a bit different here, trying something out. We'll see how it works. See, each week when I'm editing these shows, I have to cut out a little bit. Sometimes a bit, sometimes a lot. I have a problem which is going on long. My guests so far have been really kind, kind enough to indulge me. But then when I get to editing my episodes, I'm trying to keep them to an hour and a half. You see that really hasn't worked. I've gone over the two-hour mark uh, more than once lately. But when I have like nearly three hours worth of conversation and I'm trying to get it down to two hours or an hour and a half, hopefully, some stuff just has to go. A lot of that was kind of never meant for the show anyway. Sometimes it's Zoom issues. Sometimes we just get into a conversational mood, start talking about stuff completely unrelated to the topics at hand. But whatever it is, each episode kind of has a few snippets that I like, but also can't quite fit into the episode. Might make it a bit too long. Some tangents that just kind of go off off into left field, and maybe I'm trying to keep it a little focused for the full episodes I'm putting out. But this week, I'm taking a few of those snippets from our latest episode, Shamlet, and I'm putting them here. I had a lot of fun talking with Corey, as always, and we went off on a lot of tangents and digressions while discussing Strange Brew and Hamlet 2. So here you have it, our first ever bonus episode with a couple of fun little deleted scenes. Just a short little taste. Enjoy! And when it comes to uh, Max von Sydow, I, I know him best because I love, you know, super popular things, apparently. Um, I know him as the, three di- the three-eyed raven from Game of Thrones. So, uh, Yeah, I've, I've actually still never watched Game of Thrones. It's totally fair. Um, I wouldn't expect most people to nowadays. Um, I will say it's a beautiful series and the payoff is kind of meh. Uh, so if you liked Lost, you will love Game of Thrones. And we loved Lost. We just rewatched everything. And I like the ending to Lost. We, we really like the ending to Lost. Interesting. I had uh, different thoughts on it. I wouldn't say I hated it, but I there was definitely a, a lack of satisfaction that came with it. Well, um, but that's just me. I, I get that. But watching it again on a second viewing... Like, because we we watched it as it aired, and we would sometimes rewatch after we the DVD releases came out. But this time, it's another one we rewatched with our oldest daughter, and we binged it in like a couple of months, I think. Mm-hmm. And watching it all in that condensed time frame really made me like the ending more. Like, I liked it fine the first time it it aired, but now watching it this time, I was like, well, what did people expect? Because the movie, the show does spend the last couple of seasons trying to the last two seasons trying to alter your expectations in what you what you're going to get they do try and like say hey you're not going to get answers to these we're going to get an ending for the characters but you're not going to know what all the mystery is right i get that being a little bit disappointed but also i thought the way it it ends for the characters was very nice and I don't know, I just like, it was really great going back and seeing all those characters and just remembering how huge that show was and just how invested everybody was in like 2006 to 2010 or whenever. 
Absolutely. No, I, I was fully invested in Lost. And I think a lot of my disappointment came from the fact that as opposed to binging it over X amount of time, I spent several years dedicating one night a week to making sure that I got to watch the show. And, you know, having carved out time once a week to dedicate myself to it, it felt like at the end I was like, well, I don't know what I was expecting, but it wasn't this. But, you know, I think that also has to do with, I, I, I won't lie, I am a little bit of a, of a fan service geek. I kind of like when things get fan service a little bit. And I think when they go actively against that and they're like, we don't care what the fans think, this is how the story goes. Like, even though it's the right way to do it, I'm always like, man, but I'm a fan and I wanted it my way. Oh, you know what? I, 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 I kind of am the opposite. Like I'm a, I don't know. I, I always seem to kind of defend the writer and be like, no, they, like they, this is what they had to do, or this is what they wanted to do. And maybe it all didn't work. Maybe it wasn't what we wanted, but it's their story kind of thing. Like to give an example, you know, my favorite show of all time is Twin Peaks. I'm, I mentioned it all the time. I don't think I mentioned it last two weeks. So now I have to talk about Twin Peaks where that came back after 27 years for a season three. And people yeah. had 27 years to wonder what happened and like think about what they wanted for the end. Yeah. And the, the return is very divisive. Like people love it or hate it. It's because the show does not give you anything that you think you want. It does have fan service in it, but even the fan service is kind of like, well, that's not quite how I wanted it to be. <laughs> and it made a lot of people angry. But me, I was just like, I am happy to be seeing this. I am glad that you are messing with my expectations. It wasn't what I thought I wanted, but it's exactly what I needed out of this show. I guess, I guess we're just on opposite sides of that spectrum. That totally makes sense. And I'm for that. It's um, a lot of the, believe it or not, a lot of the Disney Plus series at the moment with uh, Marvel and what have you are also following that model. I won't name specifics, but like they will have cameos or, or Easter eggs that are entirely fan servicey. But at the end of the day, the story is the story and they're not going to let the fan service change that. So I appreciate the mentality, but I, I enjoy fan service is all I'll say. It doesn't bother me when it's not there, but its presence is always welcome. Okay. I, I get that. I get that. I just, I don't know. I think um, if you go back to Lost, I think you'll probably like the ending a little bit better, but I guess maybe we should get back to Strange Brew since that's over yeah, here. Absolutely. <laughs> I was looking up because when talking about the ghost in this, the, the father and the special effects when he is in that video game and the video elements are being shown. Yeah. It reminded me of an episode of SCTV, the one that's really stuck in my head since childhood. And I haven't seen it as an adult, but as a kid, I kind of rerun of it late night and it just really creeped me out. Like I was actually scared of it. it it's this episode I had to look up which one it is, but it's in series five. It is the episode Sweeps Week, which aired in early 1983, the year that this came out. So after they had been, they had finished this movie. And in that, 
the wraparound for all the segments is that the station is being haunted during sweeps week. And there's a, a ghost, which I remember as this kind of like 80s, early 80s technology of like a pink light floating around every once in a while. And for some mm -hmm. reason, it really scared me as a kid. <laughs> I don't sure. know, but it, I don't necessarily recall that exact instance, but I, I can confirm that had I had seen that as a child, yes, that probably would have scared me too. Well, so I've talked before about how I was kind of a, a coward as a kid. I could not handle scary movies. I was reading like ghost stories and scary books, but I couldn't handle movies. And one thing that always scared me and still gives me a little bit of uncomfortable feelings is a melding of horror and comedy in in a way that is like such an outlandish ridiculous element that is meant to be comedic but is actually scary because it's in the real world uh, to give you an example of it is this that that um not not this movie strange brew which i've only ever found funny but that sctv episode where it's an outlandish ghost that's supposed to be funny but it's interacting with this world that is normally just funny in a way that's making me uncomfortable as a kid and yeah the biggest example i can say is land shark from <laughs> saturday Night live really creeps me out like even now sure. i'm still a little creeped out of it because it's supposed to be funny but it's also like like kind of creepy the way it it the land shark mumbles sure. like what it's saying i, I mean i could postulate about the the you know psychology of that as long as I wanted to because I'm sure that there's like a lot of deep-seated things in the nature of it that that cause that reaction but I mean ultimately I think what it comes down to 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 just put it in the most concise terms is I think it's because when you're watching a comedy suspense is the opposite feeling of what you expect when you go into a comedy you expect to be able to laugh and to be able to put your guards down for a minute and just absorb the happy that's happening in most comedies and so when you add a horror element to it where there is a suspense and you do kind of have to be on alert for what happens next <clears throat> it kind of adds in like almost an anxiety to it um so i totally get where you're coming from with that like uh i you you mentioned you were a a bit of a coward as a child well i can do you one better i'm a coward as an adult I don't like scary movies. I don't really watch them very often. It it takes a lot to get me to watch them. Uh, and typically uh, that would be critical acclaim. Um, so I, I totally understand where you're coming from. And a lot of that for me, even as an adult is because of anxiety. Like when I'm watching scary movies, I don't, I don't want to pay people to make me anxious. You know what I mean? I do. Um, I do. Um, yeah. So it's, it's just, it's a little bit of that for me. It's like when I go into comedy, I'm not going in there for suspense. So I understand why that would make somebody expecting comedy uncomfortable. I, as an adult do love horror. I, it is my favorite genre. I really love horror and I, I like something like cabin in the woods or, um, what's an, another like evil dead Two. Those are horror comedies that do not bother me in the way that Land Shark does. And it's it's something about our real world, like a very mundane real world, being invaded by one outlandish element that is that is threatening. 
I don't know what I I don't know. I don't know exactly what it is, but yeah, Land Shark still still like gives me a little bit of a a not a chill, but I'm like, ooh, I don't like that. Side note, um back in 2015, I took a vacation to New York City uh for 2 weeks and one of the things that I got to experience when I was there, uh right across the street from the New York Public Library, they had a pop-up museum for the 40th anniversary of Saturday Night Live. And, you know, uh, if you know me, you know that I'm a huge Saturday Night Live fan. So of course I jumped on that opportunity. And right when you walked into the exhibit, the first three things that you see are um, the bee costumes, Land Shark, and Mr. Robinson's Neighborhood Doorway. Oh, okay. So, yeah, so seeing those, like it, I don't know. It kind of gave me a different um, respect for it, if that makes sense. Like, it's not that I didn't respect it ahead of going to that museum, but actually, like, seeing it there and seeing the tangible history in front of me really, really definitely put an extra layer of respect on it for me. Um, But yeah, that's just a little fun side note about Landshark because I've seen that in person. I did not touch it, but I could have if I wanted to. this blasphemous should I be laughing at this is it okay to joke about this and the answer personally in my world yes what's what is the harm in in writing a song called rock me sexy Jesus especially when you know in the movie they address that the idea of it might be blasphemous but the actual storytelling that goes behind it is if Jesus were to come back in modern day, he would have to market himself like a celebrity. And I totally agree with that sentiment, but it's not necessarily something to be up in arms over, I don't think. No, and it it is maybe in a, well, Tucson, Arizona, maybe in a more red state, I guess I could say, <laughs> but yeah. Also, I feel like like really inappropriate high school theatrics is kind of kind of a thing right it's kind of a uh like it, it is real i remember in my oldest daughter's junior high we went to their annual sh- like their fall show it was like a, a musical with they would just come out as a chorus and sing songs and there would be little bits and it was about the 60s 70s and would follow like just kind of a feel good pop song to suddenly all of a sudden on the stage, they're reenacting the Kent State Massacre where students on stage are just being shot while 70s music is playing over it. And that's heavy. I was like, nobody in the audience seemed that put off by it, but I would, I remember, I can't remember what song led into it, but it was something innocuous and then it happened and I was like, oh my God, what is going on here? And nobody seemed to really bat an eye. Um, but we're, of course, here in, in California where you know people kind of expect to be a little bit of an effort to shock. Yeah, I think California has extra room for controversy that maybe other school districts and states don't. Wasn't that great? I thought so. I hope you all think it was worth it. 
Let me know if you like this little bonus mini-episode, I'll probably be doing more of these in the future. And most likely not every week, but I plan on doing this whenever I have some leftover odds and ends that I really think deserve to be out there, but just don't fit the episode. So I hope you enjoyed the little experiment. We'll be back in your feed in just a few days with our next regularly scheduled episode. <laughs> <laughs>